Merry Christmas, Joe. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. How was Happy uh, holidays? Did you did you take some time off? Have you taken some time off? I have indeed. It's been it you know, it's one of those things where you know, when you when you have your own business as you are well aware, you even time off is sort of spent thinking about the business and doing things for the business, but they tend to be more of the relaxed sort of lean back moments, which are really nice to have. So yes, I've been thinking about and writing and doing some things for the business, but mostly it's been, you know, some, some time away, which has been really wonderful. And now are, are you an end of the year? Like I got to set my goals for 2020 or got to get my, you know, written goals down journal. Like how do you, yep. pre- do you prepare for 2020 that way? Are you, are I you- absolutely do. Yeah, I absolutely do. I take typically the week of between Christmas and uh, New Year, which is of course, you know, that when this will air. Um, so as you are listening to this, I will be deep in my written goals, my journaling, my reflections on the year past and my plans. It's also the time when I typically clean up all my workflow that has sort of fallen off over the last 11 months, you know, so I'll, you know, get a new, get my new notebook, get a new journal, get a new, um, you know, clean up my Dropbox, you know, do all that stuff to be ready for the, ready for the new year. But mostly, yeah, it's, it's journaling, setting goals, um, doing a lot of writing and that sort of thing. And I know you do too, don't you? I do. I'm switching it up this year. So normally, and you know how big I am with my journal and generally I take a, a, a deep look at the different categories that I want to make an impact on. So it'll be, you know, career focus. I have different cats. So career, you know, family, time, uh, spiritual, physical. And then I write two or three things that I really want to focus on under each one of those. And I try to put down uh, some kind of time element or number because I want to make sure that I hit a goal or and, you know, made, able to measure it. That's what I've done for the past 10 years. It's worked great. But I'm going to switch it up this year. Because I've been, uh, I read about, and I talked about this in my newsletter. Did you see that I t- that Warren Buffett's twenty-five and five strategy? Do yep. you know of it? Absolutely, yeah. I do know of it. Yeah, I've just recommended it to a friend of mine. Yeah. So I'm going to do that this year because uh, I don't have the career. I don't really have the career goals that I used to have for some obvious reasons. So I have more. <laughs> I have more. Fa- I have more family goals and spiritual yeah. goals yeah, and physical goals. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Uh, but, but so basically for people that don't know Warren Buffett's 25 and five strategy, you spend however long you need to spend. Let's in in this case, I've been going on for at least a week and I don't have 25 yet, but you write down 25 things you want to accomplish over the next 365 days. So right now I have, I don't know, 15 and you get to 25. And then as soon as you get to 25, you spend another few days and you select the five, you circle the five that you want to accomplish in the next year. And then once you circle those five, all you do is focus on those five and you completely ignore the other 20. So it's this less is more type strategy where you're just going to say, look, I'm going to, I'm absolutely going to complete these five things. And then you don't look at, let's say goal number six or the sixth thing that you wrote down until you get the first five done. And so that's what I'm trying, Robert. I don't know if it's going to work. Hopefully it will. And, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to go do that and see what's what. 
but yeah, you I know, know I, I, I obsess I, about this stuff. You know me. Yeah, I'm totally exactly. I've absolutely. Stuff. Well, I know one thing that's not on either of our 25 lists, which is to be watching a Super Bowl with our football teams. <laughs> I'm, okay, here's the thing. You had to bring it up. I was yeah. going to go a whole episode without talking about it. Here's the thing. Well, it'll get us to it'll get us to the intro of the show faster. I, well, th- I suspect. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's the here's the quick thing about the Cow- Dallas Cowboys and the Cleveland Browns. First, I feel bad for your Cowboys because all <laughs> they had to do was win that game. But, yeah. <laughs> all they had to do was beat a bunch of scrubs from but, Philadelphia, and they couldn't do that. But it, in this, but the same thing with the Browns. They have so much talent, and they lost some games that they absolutely should have won. And if there was ever a year, kind of the same with with the the position of the Cowboys, if there was ever a year that you could slip into playoffs with a eight or eight, eight and eight, or a nine and seven mark, it would have been this year for both our teams. Right. Uh, And alas, but you're not out of it, right? No. (laughs) Well, Well, by the time this airs, but by the time this airs, yes, it'll it'll be one way or the other, and I'm expecting it a hundred percent to be the the bad way. But as you um, said the last episode, I think you said Philly just wants to keep giving this to you. So yeah. maybe they will. Maybe they will. Maybe yeah. they'll go lose to the Giants. And so, yeah, you can tweet at me if it didn't happen. Oh, well, okay. We Here's should, what we'll do. Maybe we should start our prediction. Yeah, why don't you start? That- yeah, let, let's just get started. <laughs> All right, let's roll. And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 224 of PR's This Old Marketing, recorded Thursday, December 26th, 2019. And with me, as always, is my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who's a lot cuter than that Baby Yoda plush doll, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Same amount of hair on our face. Uh, yeah? <laughs> well, Baby Yoda doesn't have as much as regular Yoda does. You watching I, the show? Uh, I'm I'm going to wait till they're all out, and then I'm going to binge it all at one time. That's, all right. that's the plan. Have you been, you've been watching, right? You're I have been fan, watching and it's been, oh, I'm delighted. It's just such a fun, it's a fun, fun, fun show. I really like it. Okay. We haven't even talked about this. Give out of 10, how would you rate Star Wars? I haven't seen it. Oh, what? Yeah. I haven't seen it. I'm going, I'm going this weekend. I have not seen it yet. Yeah. Oh, I was going to, I was looking forward to, to totally talking about it. But yeah, I think you'll like it. But I, I, I've, I've heard that I will like it. All the people that I know um, and ha- and share a similar sensibility to Star Wars as I do have really enjoyed it. Um, and then the people who don't know anything about Star Wars really enjoyed it. And then the people who didn't haven't enjoyed it are people who. You know, they're they're very particular. About yeah, the, the ones that got to get into the details and say you can't do this and this and right. this and whatever. And <clears throat> yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. So those those people just lead unhappy lives. <laughs> that's <laughs> exactly that's well, yeah, exactly it, right. It, it, ex- exactly. That's so. That's all. So hey, I'm excited about this. We're gonna do. I guess that we we've been doing a prediction show. This is probably our sixth or seventh, if I had to guess, prediction yeah. show. Yeah. So well, this I mean, is, when I, we used to do it, of course, in you know every year in the beginning of the year because we were weekly, and now that we are um, 
uh, you know, twice a month now. It's it's this is a it's the perfect one because this will air literally as you know the new year is coming up. So it's it's um, you know we're we're not even you know as we do this we're not even in January first yet. So it's it's truly a predictions show just on the eve of the new year. So it'll be fun. And if I do remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that we've always been right. I mean, if you go back to all the shows, <laughs> and yeah. they some don't happen right away, but they pretty much all have have happened. Of, so, of course, yeah. yes. That, I'm, I, that's <laughs> well, that's is, how I'm. That's how I'm going anyway. This is yeah, such I an important. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the, the listeners of this podcast—they're just—they're blessed. They, they truly is, are. This is truth. <laughs> the truth with the capital T. That's going to happen right here. Oh my uh, So gosh. how do you want to? How do you want to do this? You, well, you're the leader uh, here. Yeah. So let's just tee this up and say that you know normally we would do here our top of the show where we uh, would select an article to talk about that is to the theme of the show, and given that the theme this episode is all about predictions we are going to trade off in predictions and i'm going to let you go first of course because age before beauty um and i think um we'll do probably three or four each we've got a number of predictions teed up here and then uh and then we'll do a couple of raves at the uh at the end of the show so just um why don't you kick kick us off with your first prediction and Tell me what's going to happen in 2020. I would be happy to. And first, a disclaimer. we've You and I have already talked about this. Mine are big, bold, uh, vague strat- <laughs> uh, predictions. Right. And yours Chocolate are... cake will continue to be tasty. Yeah, yours, are, yours, are, <laughs> yours are smaller and more helpful to well, people. So I don't it, know it, if they're any more helpful, yeah. but they are smaller so, in, <laughs> in scale. Yes. <laughs> um, so my first one... And you know I've been talking about this in a lot of my speeches, uh, but I, I will call this the the move to less content and, and towards simplicity for marketers, content marketers specifically. And when I did my keynote at Content Marketing World, I talked about this idea of less content but better. And I guess the best way to subs- to uh, describe it is that we've gotten into uh, this a rut, I would say, of producing content on platforms because we can today. And that's the wonderful thing, right? We can produce all kinds of content, a ton of content on all these platforms. And if you do the research, if you talk to a number of marketers, that's just not working. More content and more platforms generally is a losing proposition. It's not working. And so you're starting to see this slow, at least I'm hopeful, and I've been talking to a few marketers that are getting behind this strategy of killing off things in certain platforms that we're not giving full attention to and focusing on one or two platforms and being great in those platforms uh, to really make an impact in, in, on our customers' lives, their jobs, uh, and creating better customers as we want to do in, in content marketing. So, And I, I like to think of it in the, this idea of, I, I call it content energy, uh, for I don't have a better term at this point, but we have a finite amount of content energy with our marketing departments, which means that we can only focus on so many things at a time. And if we say, okay, we're going to do a podcast, an e-newsletter, a print magazine, an event, uh, all these things at one time, you know, we've got uh, LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and all these different programs and YouTube. Well, I think that 
that's a recipe for mediocrity and mediocrity doesn't cut it today. You're not going to cut through any of the clutter. You're just going to be doing lots of things. Very, a lot of, I would call it unimportant activities. And I think what we have to do into 2020 is we have to start looking at those things that aren't making an impact or that we're not giving our full attention to and can't be uh, the best in these certain areas and kill off those things and take that content energy and put it to one or two things that we can really make an impact toward. And that's my prediction for 2020 is that I think you're going to see more and more enterprises and small businesses just say, this is, this is what we, we can be great for our customers in these things and focus on these things and start killing off a number of activities that we've just been doing poorly or, or uh, as I said, mediocre. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think well, here's here's the one twist I would add to that prediction because I agree with it. I would add the twist that much of this is going to not come from a recognition of what you're talking about, this sort of mediocrity and 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 need to get sharper and, and higher quality and all of the wonderful things that we talk about. But um, I think a lot of this is going to come from the recognition from companies that content and good content is really expensive and hard. Um, and there is just so much waste happening right now yep. um, at different parts of the organization. And at some point, and we're seeing this now from the clients that we're working with, at some point somebody goes, how much are we spending on all this content? And it gets a bad rap. Content gets a bad rap because of it, because what ends up happening is, is that they do some kind of cost analysis um, and figure out, holy moly, we are spending a lot of money here. And so there's going to be a move for, you know, I, you know, I think, I mean, we can, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about politics a little bit, and but certainly from the economy standpoint, um, I think you're going to start to see uh, a lot more of the do more with less kind of idea, just generally with marketing. And so I think content will be a big driver of that. It's like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it, you know, we're going to do it well, and we're going to do it at a considered pace. Um, and then that will start to give rise to what you're talking about, which is just getting better at it. It's it's just like a lot of our peers, and I get why this happens but they're they're just doing stuff they're busy all the time yeah doing so many different things that and i I don't want to downplay this but this is where i think we have to get wise in 2020 these things are unimportant they're unimportant to the person that's doing it and they're truly unimportant to the customer and that's why we're doing this so stop yeah you really and that's how many how many uh, marketers have you talked to and they go through their day and all the things they're working on and I'm like how many of those things are really making an imp- impact on you your job or your customers or your business and they're like well not really none of it yeah because you're just I, well, all over the place it's what we call you know we've been calling small marketing right we yeah. are so busy doing small marketing I you know I'll put this into context for you we we, we worked with one of the biggest brands in the world, and I say that not to puff out my chest, just, but the 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 point will become clear. The I mean, truly, one of the largest content media social brands in the entire planet, and their marketing team, and the marketing team that was there was bonused on how much content they could create, 
And the way that it qualified to be quote unquote created was that it lived somewhere online. And so what you did was you've created an economy in this marketing department where the 64 people in marketing who were working on this, all these marketing managers, were all bonused and KPI'd on how much content they could create and get out somewhere. So they were constantly in this sort of open air Marrakesh marketplace sort of selling their content wares to internal channel managers, website managers, blog managers, uh, social media managers, all the people who controlled these uh, quote unquote uh, channels and trying to get their content out. And once they got their content out, that was a box that they could check. They made their KPI and then it didn't matter. And it didn't matter what the content did at that point, whether it closed a piece of business, whether it converted a person into a subscriber, it didn't matter. As long as they created something that lived, then they were then their their little world was fine. And that that's not a strategy. That that's just activity. Well, I guess that's the the core of this is yeah. really take a hard look at the activities that stop saying it goes along the line with stop saying yes to everything. Yeah, exactly. Please, uh, <laughs> you know, twenty twenty can be the year of no. That would be fantastic, but don't take that too far. Okay, no soup, no soup for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All Let's right. go to yours, sir. Yeah, I have uh, I have one that I'm really passionate about, and I wanted to make this my first one um, because it's one that I'm going to do some more writing on. We have been working with some companies that are thinking about this um, and that are thinking hard about this, and it's starting to become a content opportunity. And and so, put very simply. I believe that in this coming year, what we're going to see is whether we call it content marketing or brand journalism or just you know branded content, whatever you like, right? Um, um, I'm going to use the word brand journalism here for a very specific reason. Uh, it's going to become a uh, social corporate responsibility uh, opportunity, um, so commonly known as SCR, right? And so. What I mean by that is is that right now this idea of purpose-led brands is pretty big right now. It's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a big opportunity. Um, you know, there's tons of research on this. Accenture did a huge research study on this, where they looked at thirty thousand consumers uh, across the globe, thirty five different countries, um, and they found that sixty two percent of consumers these days want companies to take stands on current and broadly relevant events in the world, um, and that basically they'll buy in higher preponderance to that. And so this marketing opportunity, this branding opportunity um, has given rise to all sorts of things that we've heard about, you know, is the idea of purpose washing and um, that, you know, there's an unfocused approach and, you know, like everything else in marketing done poorly, it's not working very well. And so one of the things that I have started to see is that these, this idea of purpose um, usually expresses itself in things like, you know, well, we're, you know, we're going to help clean up trash on the beaches and we're doing this thing with the way that we make our products. You know, they're all going to be natural materials, something around either diversity and inclusion, the environment, um, or some form of, uh, you know, sort of nonprofit idea that they're out there changing the world. And I think 
that journalism, and we've talked about this on this show before, becoming a journalistic entity, um, whether that's, as we talked about on this show, buying a local or regional newspaper, whether that's launching some new journalistic entity, doing investigative journalism, doing something around the idea of looking at the creation of content as a corporate responsibility to being a good citizen in the world is going to become a thing. It's going to become an effort by brands to bolster up what they can do. I think especially in the coming year with the election and everything else, I think we're going to see an opportunity from these brands to start to really use the idea of social corporate responsibility as a means of funding great content experiences that are inspirational or educational or useful in some way. And that will become a business case for these businesses to do that. I love that. I agree with it. Um, you and I uh, have a friend uh, named Russell Sparkman that used to talk about purpose-led yeah. content marketing and and still does actually. Yeah. But, but 10 years ago was, was talking about this purpose-led thing. And it seems like 2019, we really hit the high point of that where people started to say yes that that the the whole idea of corporate responsibility uh, is a goal behind this thing and we are going to take a stand and uh outside of necessarily counting the number of things you're going to sell behind it but that we need to position ourselves behind something and it makes a difference and uh i mean how many times have we talked about the idea of a large corporate brand brand buying a local newspaper. Yeah. And you just mentioned that. I I think that that I I am so surprised that we haven't seen that happen, but I think that's going to it's going to be hey, we need to do this for the betterment of our community because the dollars aren't there or they're not going to survive. We need local news and we're going to support that. I mean, you could put that behind any kind of other thing that whether it's climate change, environmental, um whatever it is, but I totally agree with that. Uh, do you have a, do you have a prediction on a one brand that might take this more seriously than another one that maybe hasn't yet? I think, yeah, I think you're going to see, well, one of the, I I think you're going to see a technology brand do this faster than not. I mean, it, it, it is, it is astounding to me that we haven't seen Facebook do this yet. Um, and it is astounding to me that we haven't seen some of the other bigger social media brands do this um, because they're the perfect. I mean, I mean, they're they're the perfect candidate for it um, to be one of the early adopters and leaders in this space. But I think you are seeing it already in some, you know, in in, in small ways. Um, you're seeing it at the retail and consumer, uh, you know, business to consumer space. Um, you know, so we're seeing, you know, you, you, we've, we've talked about REI before and sort of their efforts. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Patagonia. We've talked about, you know, some P&G does some of this um, where they create, you know, what, whether you call them publications or not is, is, is independent. But they tend to lean more toward talking about some public good rather than sort of, you know, an entertainment thing, you know, like a Mel magazine or something like that. They're actually talking more about some doing, you know, how they're doing good in the world and telling those stories and all those kinds of things. 
what I think is going to happen is some of those either consumer-oriented brands or the prediction would be some one of these technology, you know, sort of companies to really come out and do something big and meaningful here. You know, I mean, so, for example, would it surprise me to hear that Starbucks would launch a daily newspaper? No, it would not. Would it surprise me to hear that a Schneider Electric or a General Electric or an Emerson or somebody like that would launch a big, uh, you know, funded university for kids that's for free, right? You know, free, free, and not just, you know, teaching electronics or electrical engineering or something like that, but truly a, a full, full, full on university that is offered for free. No, it would not surprise me to do that or to hear that. You know, those kinds of things I think we're going to start to see, you know, emerge next year as a differentiating strategy in social corporate responsibility. Yeah, and I think that even with small businesses, they could you could do that locally. Really, I mean, if you just think oh, about it. Oh, of hey, course. It doesn't yeah. have to be big businesses. Yeah, this is a, you know, some small or medium-sized businesses, quite frankly, that could buy the small town newspaper and start becoming the newspaper, right? Just, be, just do it as a as a community service. And, we are going and, to will this yeah. into existence, Robert. Exactly. You and I and the three listeners, the power of our three <laughs> listeners, we are going to make this happen. You know, this. Uh, this I think this goes right into, um, if you don't mind, I'll go right into my yeah, yeah. second prediction because it, it fits really well with yours. And, and prediction number two for me is a slow move back to print. And I, I think we've been seeing this. We've talked about it on the show that print has done what vinyl is print is doing now what happened to vinyl where vinyl dipped a couple years ago saw the lowest number of of vinyl records sold and all of a sudden slowly it creeps back up and now i think i saw that uh, there are more vinyl records sold than cds now so that's kind of interesting that we've seen amazing isn't that something how we've seen the technology move um we're going to see the same thing with print and we're going to see that for a few reasons. And when I say a slow move back to print, this is specifically with non-media companies buying and or launching print initiatives. Buying as in we talked about you could buy a magazine, trade magazine, newspaper, just like you and I just talked about, or you they, we could see our own launches of things, uh, coffee table type magazines, books that you're going to see brands get into. Uh, and uh, and new magazine launches as well. So the first thing is, we've seen this for a long time, but it's amazing that more brands haven't taken um, this opportunity. Is there's just this lack of competition uh, through the post office today? Outside mm. of what we're seeing delivered through around the holiday season, if you see just magazines, so you see what you know, you get all your letters, your bills, your postcards, those things, junk mail that you don't care about. But what we could always count on is you'd get those wonderful print glossy magazines that you'd look forward to later sitting down with that lean back technology and learning something like I used to get Fast Company magazine or Inc. magazine and those things. I really look forward to getting those. I think you're going to see, whereas you have traditional media companies that can't support that type of model or it's harder to support that model. With advertising and subscription, you're going to see brands that are looking for, hey, we just want to create better customers. We're going to measure it in different ways. We're going to launch these magazines. We're going to buy these magazines. In the um, acquisition area, we saw you know, Raspberry Pi, the hardware uh, company. They bought two publications in photography and electronics from Dennis Publishing. We saw, what was that, Airbnb bought Atlas Obscura. Uh, you're going to see these things start to happen more and more. 
Uh, so one, that less competition. And the second thing, I've been seeing a lot of this, reading a lot of this on different media sites, this underground movement off of uh, off of devices, off of social media, off of email. Uh, and you've got these, you've got people taking sabbaticals and time off, or they're saying, I'm limiting my time during the day. And you've got even your iPhone will tell you, you know, you're, you've, you spent an hour on your phone, that's X percent more or less than you spent last week on your phone. You've got people more cognizant about this. We've already seen a lot of the data come out from research the saying how destructive and addictive some of these patterns are uh, when you're so addicted to your, your device. And there are people that are trying to say, hey, I, I want to do something about this. And what are they going to from their media choices? In a lot of cases, they're going to print books and print magazines. And I think now is a real sweet spot opportunity for brands to get involved in this area uh, as long as they're not looking to make money directly off they're, you know, you're not going to sell advertising and make a lot of money off of the print device. But if you're looking to change behaviors and to create better communications with your customers, there might not be a better way in 2020 than to do it uh, except for, for print. So I don't know if you have a take on that, Robert, but that's my take. I, I do. And as you might expect, and it's, you know, as uh, as always, when you talk about this stuff, it's to agree that um, we are going to see. I mean, we're certainly seeing it from a marketing perspective. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, on the magazine side, you know, is this the time for a brand to go pick up a big consumer magazine and, and, and get behind that? I'm not sure. No, I'm not no, sure. I would what, agree I, with what, that. Yeah. what I'm, what I am seeing, however, is that the cost of doing something really beautiful in a print format has come down so substantially that it's not a huge risk to to do something either infrequently, you know, maybe once a quarter or once a month if you're a bigger brand or something like that and actually do something that's worth holding in your hand and and does give that different experience. The the one thing that I I I will absolutely 110% agree on is the idea of books, right? So one there was a story that we would have covered were this to be a a new show uh this week which is about the, you know, the decade of, you know, as we enter a new decade here and how the 2010s were supposed to be the era of the ebook and it never happened. You know, that it has basically ebooks have flattened at around 20 percent of the market um, and the the young people out there sort of, you know, both Generation Z as well as millennials have not taken to ebooks. They love their phones. They're in social media. They're definitely looking through their phones and stuff. But if they want a book, if they're going to go read a book, they want the print version, and they're and they're reading print, and it's still eighty percent of the market, and and not looking to be decreased anytime soon. And just like you said, with a brand opportunity, like what we see with Airbnb taking over Atlas Obscura, the idea of brands writing print books or writing books that actually come out in print, or acquiring those things, travel lodge, you know, all those kind of things that, 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 that are so, you know, so nice to have in a print book, that the sort of that form factor is, is something that I think is a huge opportunity for, for marketers, um, to get back into, um, you know, something that's not digital. The real quick point with that article and, and what I'll, I'll link this in the show notes too, just so we have it, because I think it's important. That article also talks about how the, the, the big five and six book publishers, they can't 
discount their print their their ebooks to a point that brands and individuals can as well. So I know we're talking we're going back and forth ebooks and print books, but when you talk about an opportunity in just books in the book category, there's more flexibility in pricing and distribution with people that aren't affiliated with the big publishers. So there's a real opportunity there for brands to get in and say, "Okay, well I want to I want to price my ebook print book certain ways. You can do that better than you get a traditional publisher, which is just crazy." Of course, but it's true. It's it's well, it's the same thing as movies. I, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, not to not to get off on a rant or a rave or anything here, but we've been talking about this for you know for <laughs> for ten years. You know, if you look at the production value and the 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 budgets and the way those are done at the movie studios, if you have a Disney or you have a Marvel or you have any kind of uh, movie studio. They have to make a certain amount of margin to make a movie work, right? Yeah. So they have to be able to distribute it. They have to be able to put together all the sort of pieces of the puzzle to make a margin number work to make a movie a green light. A brand doesn't have to do that. A brand like Lego can come in and go, yeah, we don't need our piece. You know, we you, that one piece that you would have normally had to fill, we don't need that. We don't need to make you know a huge amount of. All we need to do is make our costs back because, quite frankly, if we're going to make a great movie, we're making a great movie to basically sell more product. And you know, if you start looking at the calculus, you know, even the Star Wars sort of franchise now, we start seeing things like Mandalorian. We start seeing all these Star Wars movies. We see the latest Star Wars movies. The Wall Street Journal came out with an article and said, "Hey." This thing is, uh, you know, it, it, it's not making the same kind of money that others before. Oh, it's not as big a hit. They don't care. They yeah, don't care that it's not a huge hit. They're going to sell so many products with that, that, it, that that Baby Yoda doll alone pays for Mandalorian season two. Isn't and that so, something? You know, that's the, that's the magic here that brands can get their arms around. If we can start doing that, that's where we can start making magic happen in a media world that can be monetized in different ways. Somebody should write a book well, about that. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I was saying, I, I think I remember this book, Killing Marketing, talking about <laughs> this. We're, but we're, we are here right now with 2020 with the opportunity for brands to undercut traditional media for yes. just that reason. Traditional media and for... For all the flaws of traditional media and executives in traditional media, this is the biggest one, is their inability to look at different revenue ways to generate revenue and profit than just the traditional methods of advertising, subscription, and direct revenue off the content. And if you look at the other ways that you can, which are there are 10, and we talk about them in Killing Marketing, what an opportunity there are for brands. And you, you, you talked about the Lego movie. You got that Lego Master Builders television show coming up. You can guarantee that Lego doesn't care. They don't have to make a dime. They're probably they could lo- lose a substantial amount of money off the show itself just because of the additional product sales that are going to happen. That's um, right, and it's it's just it's amazing that more traditional executives, media executives, haven't thought about. Well, they're this. figuring and I think it there out, are, right? but yeah, they're, yeah. We're, they're figuring it out, right? So, the media companies are figuring this out, publishers are figuring this out, and so that's the urgency. Whenever I talk to a client about this stuff, I'm like, the urgency here is is that 
they are starting to figure yeah. this out. They are starting to figure out how to add those multiple revenue lines and compete with you, right? The dentist publishing's out there in the world that are selling Buzz, cars Buzzfeed. now and you yeah. know, BuzzFeed that are getting into product plays and all that sort of stuff. They're figuring it out. So the opportunity, you know, here we are in 2020, the opportunity is nigh. And so, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's get to it. Okay. I want to hear right. your, your, yeah, my third one. or second, I guess I'm on my second prediction, aren't I? Um, so, uh, yeah, the mine here is about technology. Um, and I think 2020 is going to be finally the year where the ad tech market takes a huge, probably crippling hit. Um, and MarTech basically swallows up everything else in its path. And so you're going to start to see businesses, technology businesses, really bolster their MarTech capabilities and selling into the marketing groups of, of, of you know, of uh, and, and the ad tech sort of market, the data scraping, the um, ad display, the sort of syndication of advertising and all of that really take a, a, a big consolidation first and then a big hit second. So I think that's going to, and I think the driver of all of that is going to be data and privacy. Um, and I think it's fine. 2020 is finally going to be when businesses start to take things like the, the California data privacy, um, which is the CCPA and the GDPR in Europe and, and then the others as they start to come online. I think 2020 is finally the year that, you know, and I think a lot of that will be driven by the politics of, of the election. Um, and I think we're going to start to see a, a big consumer interest in this stuff. Can you give an example of when you say the ad market takes a hit? Get, let, let, paint there's a, paint a, whole a picture se- for the yeah, listeners. Yeah, there's a whole sector of the the technology uh, space called ad tech, right? Which includes things like programmatic, um, which are basically using third-party data and or first-party data, but um, uh, using data to programmatically serve up ads across networks or across different uh, you know platforms and personalize, quote-unquote, those ads that you see. Um, the data that they're leveraging and, and using is the, at the heart of what we're talking about with things like GDPR and CCPA. Um, and so everything from at the tectonic scale, something like Facebook, right, which is using everything from the, everything you post to everything you look at online to everything you might be saying in the privacy of your own home <laughs> to target ads to you, Um all of that, the technology and the commercialization, more importantly, of that technology is going to come under serious pressure uh, for, you know, then we've talked about it on this show so many times. There's tons of um, trends that, that are leaning that way. What has to replace it, however, then, is the ability for us as marketers and businesses to do business. And I think what you're going to start to see is that ad tech will start repositioning itself using privacy first party data and the idea of more internally focused uh, features and benefits, which will make it start looking a lot more like MarTech. In other words, so what would classically be called a ad tech programmatic ad serving technology will fold up underneath as a feature of some MarTech solution, which is helping people manage content or, you know, provide organization or workflow or, or you know, the, the idea of organizing their teams better, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the benefits that it'll have is helping you 
target internal content more, uh, you know, in, in a more effective way using the internal data that you manage yourself and blah, blah, blah. In other words, that sort of cross-network, cross-platform, cross-programmatically you know, programmatically looking at technology to do everything from scraping data to pulling all that stuff together is going to take a... It's, 2020 is the year that it finally dips below you know, what we would, I guess, call you know, you know, sort of viability. Well, I would agree with that, but I would also say that one of the reasons why the ad tech market is going to take a hit and a lot of... Uh, you know, there's a lot of marketers that don't know about the new policies or are, are unsure what's relevant to them. Like you don't realize that you have for the California law that you have to be, I think it's $25 million in business yes. to California. So right. look, people don't aren't, aren't looking at the fine print right now. I think the bigger issue in all of this is the fact that, and it's already happened, but it's even happening to a, a greater extent. Google and Facebook is swallowing up everything in advertising. That's right. And ad tech. There's not much left, and I think that when you have marketers that, uh, you know, you know, they said, you know, you just choose IBM so you don't get fired. I think that's what you're gonna you're gonna see. Everyone's just say, I'm gonna choose Google for all and Facebook for all my advertising, and they're gonna take care of it. And pretty much 95% of your issues are taken care of then, if you just go with those two companies. Yeah, and what standpoint. I think you're gonna start to see, and you're already starting to see the beginnings of this is you're going to see those two companies start to become more MarTech-like. Yeah. You know, you're going to start seeing solutions from Google and Facebook and LinkedIn, which you're already starting to see, especially LinkedIn, where they're helping marketers do many of the things that they need to do. So if you're, you know, if you're Adobe or you're OpenText or you're IBM or you're Microsoft or you're Oracle um, or you're, you know, any of basically anybody selling enterprise level MarTech solutions to, you know, larger and or medium sized businesses, right? This affects the HubSpots and the Infusionsofts of the world as well. I think you're you're going to start to see Facebook and Google and, um, you know, and LinkedIn become much more competitive with you. Do do we have time for one more quick one each before we? Yeah, do let's do quick. Let's do one more quick one each, quick, and then we'll and then we'll of course talk about the prediction of our wonderful sponsor. Okay, very good, very good. So I'm I'm just going to do very quick three events. We don't even have to talk about them if you want to, but three events that I think are, are going to happen in twenty, and this is going to happen in twenty twenty. The first one is Microsoft, and of course. Microsoft owns LinkedIn, is going to launch some kind of business network. When I'd say that, kind of like uh, when we, we look at uh, Disney Plus. So a Disney Plus for business, if you can think about it that way, I think Microsoft is primed to launch that. We've seen the how uh, how great that master those masterclass uh, videos are running on Facebook and everybody's signing up for those. I think you're going to see Microsoft launch something similar in business to business. So that's one event. The second event, Apple TV Plus is going to kill theirs, which is the least impressive launch I've ever seen Apple. I didn't even know they had one. They have a whole network that they launched a couple months ago, and it completely drowned when Disney Plus launched theirs. I think that, yeah, they've got a whole show that Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell's oh, on. Oh, I thought you meant a business-to-business network. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're at their network. They're, oh, uh, no, it's and that's good. I've been, I've been, yeah, no, I've been, they're, uh, they're, I've been watching it, 
The Morning yeah, Show you, is a fantastic you, show, by the way. Yeah, but it's going to be gone in 2020. So you better just get, you know, get your fill now because oh, it's not going to be one. around. Yeah, oh, that's fine. You can, that. yeah, That's yeah. fine. You can disagree. You can have your time when you get to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so that... So that's the second one that I think, and you yeah. know, you could talk to that. And the and the third one is we've everyone's heard about these whole these things called deep fakes, where people can uh, basically uh, what do we say overlay somebody's sure. face yeah. face on top of somebody else? Yeah, and the so artificial intelligence, basically artificial intelligence, yeah. Yeah. where you're looking at a video and you can't tell if it's Barack Obama or Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or anything like that. I think that those things go full blast right before the 2020 election. It's going. We're going to see some major, major news issues because certain sides are going to release videos and they're going to say, oh my God, this person did this, said this, was here. You can see it. There's proof. And it's all done AI. And, it's, and we won't, there will be a lot of people that won't know what to believe. And it's going to be a key underlying issue in the 2020 election. So those are the three things I think are going to happen in 2020. Yeah. I, I the only one I would disagree with. I, I mean, I think we're in for a one hell of a roller coaster this coming oh. year when it comes to politics. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be, I, you know, I'm not looking forward to that at all. Um, the but but the deep fake stuff I I totally agree with the only one of yours that you just rolled out there that I would disagree with is the the Apple Apple TV network I think it'll do just fine I think it'll be just lovely why it's a, it's 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 the tortoise in the race right now it doesn't need to be it doesn't it doesn't it, it, it because of the distribution that they have inherent in what they do. Um, it all it needs is good content. Now all of this is predicted on good content coming up, and 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 morning show was good. It was really really good, um, and uh, uh, I think they'll if if they can solve and get a couple of really good must see shows on there, I see no reason it can't it, it can't survive. Well, they should have bought. Disney when they had the chance. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> right. sour grapes, my friend. <laughs> um, all right, you got you got one more quick. Yeah, one. I do have one more. Um, so let me. I'll just do mine really quickly here. Um, sort of uh, segueing with my ad tech market taking a huge hit with Martech consolidation and uh, and growth. Um, I would put in there the idea of the big holding company agencies, the WPPs, the Publicises, the Havases, the networks out there. Um, continue their sort of, I don't know, dissolve is the right word or breakup is the right word. We start to see a lot more um, uh, of independent agencies really growing and and becoming uh, more uh, more full service, as it were, sort of following along the lines of what the consulting uh, firms are doing right now. So we start to see the strength continue to grow with companies like Accenture and PwC and Deloitte Digital and those kinds of things. And we start seeing the move sort of strategically from those bigger holding companies, the WPPs, to begin to create those kinds of firms, the kinds of firms like the, in other words, they're going to try and compete. The only way they can do that is to get out of that sort of 
uh, holding company mentality and start to build in sort of more networked, grouped uh, types of services, more structured, more like consulting firms. So I think we're going to start to see a big mess when it comes to the uh, the bigger holding companies. And that provides an opportunity for smaller and mid-sized agencies to come in and drink some milkshake. And this seems to happen every 10 years or so, right? Yes, I mean, that's right. A, it's a pendulum. It's a, This yeah. is definitely a pendulum that swings back and forth and, and it, it will, it may or may not go back. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's swinging, it's swinging back that, uh, that from, from what we saw yeah, about a decade ago as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was quite an M&A environment the past few years for these oh, small little agencies getting swallowed up and now, oh. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's the stubbornness I think you had of the, you know, the, the, the Wall Street folks to keep up the stock price, um, you know, and so there was a real pressure on the stock prices of the WPPs and the publicists of the world to continue to make acquisition to facilitate growth. Where, you know, so that and that's just gone now. You just don't see that. I mean, the acquisitions are still happening, mind you. But but, um, you know, the those uh, I think the rise of the internal agency and the the new competitiveness of the consulting firms, on, especially on the creative side, um, has really stemmed that uh, that that strategy. So I think we'll start to see that pendulum swing back. Do uh, do we have a sponsor? I think today? we do. I think we, absolutely we do. I mean, it's our it's our New Year sponsor. Um, I think it's the I think it's the best content event of 2020. The first one, anyway, of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> the best, the first, yeah, something. Yeah, it's not like we're biased or anything. Content Tech Summit is happening again in sunny San Diego, April is that 20th. Right? Yes, April okay. 20th to 22nd, 2020. Wow. I talk about this every time. That's just a lot of twos. Yeah. April 20th to 22nd, The fact that it's happening on 420 is I'm just going to I'm just going to throw it You're out there. Just going to leave it right I'm there. I'm just going to yeah. throw, throw that, that out there. there. Yeah, anyway. Uh, you can go to contenttechsummit.com and sign up, and you need to do this immediately because this is going to be an awesome event. Uh, it's been how many years have, have uh, has CMI been doing this event? It just gets better and better every year. We're going to talk about new technologies and innovative processes that are fundamentally changing marketing today. If you are with an enterprise brand or an agency really dealing with all the integrations that go in with content and marketing technologies, Robert just talked about this. This is a big issue. we got to be prepared for this, especially with all the regulations coming up. Content Tech will help you do that. We've got some amazing brands and speakers. So just go to the lineup and check it out. They add one every day. Really good speaker. You're going to love it. Go to contenttechsummit.com for more information on the Content Tech Summit. And if you are, by the way, if you're in uh, the neck of the woods that uh, it gets cold in February or March and you really want to get some um, you know, nice weather, go to San Diego in April. Make yourself feel a lot better as well. Contenttechsummit.com. Yeah, it's good stuff. We're gonna have. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm helping, of, of course, with the the speaker lineup this year, and I know we've got, you know, so one of your favorites, Cleve Gibbon, is going to be there. Oh, from, Cleve is from, fantastic. He's amazing. One of the best. One Wonderman of the best. Thompson, um, speaking of uh, larger agencies out there, we've got uh, uh, Meg from uh, who runs. Uh, uh, she runs content strategy at Hilton. 
Um, we've got uh, uh, the the woman who runs content strategy for MasterCard. We've got uh, Microsoft, Airstream. I mean, we've got so many awesome brands and content strategy and content tech people from those brands. It's just it's 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 shaping up to be really really special. Um, well, and of course you'll be there. Whatever. And you're, um, are you speaking? You're speaking. I, think I you're am speaking. speaking as I normally do. Yeah. So, um, yes, I, I will, I will be teeing up, uh, you, my questions for the group as I normally I, do in my keynote, my, usually my, my lenses that I want everybody to look through rather than sort of providing any pat answers. I usually have more questions than I do. I already have answers. the, I already have the, uh, the title for your speech. It's Would, how I got all my 2020 predictions wrong. <laughs> of course, then I, I would be wrong too. <laughs> yeah, how I was right about Disney, but wrong about everything. Wrong else. about everything. How can you yeah. be right? Well, well yeah. We'll um, all right, okay. folks. Well, it is now time for your favorite part of the show. We have just a few minutes left to talk about some of our rants and raves, and this uh, because it's a new year, and because it is our prediction show. Both Joe and I have quick raves. Um, that we want to talk about uh, this uh, this episode. And uh, so why don't, uh, it's our rants and rave section, of course, where we go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave, and this is going to be raves. So Joe, why don't you go first? Yes, I have this, uh, and you might have read this, heard of this book. Uh, it's been around for a while, but I thought that this book recommendation is perfect for anyone trying to get 2020 right or uh, or figure out your goals and strategies and and how you can just be a better marketer all the way around or better person for that matter so this is a book called essentialism by greg mccown um it's the the whole idea of doing and i I talked about this as my first prediction so this book just falls in line with that it's it's the idea of doing less but better and uh this whole thing about we are as human beings, we're just doing so many things and most of the things that we are doing are unimportant. And this is the kind of book that gets you back on track. We get you focusing on what's important in your life and in your career. And it's not a, it's a very short read, you know, get it at the library, get it on Amazon or your local bookseller, whatever, if there are any of those that still exist. And, uh, I really recommend this book. It's called Essentialism. Greg McCown. Again, just a quick rave. Just something that will get you right for 2020. I can't recommend it highly enough uh, for oh, my for I'm my rave. Have that. you have you read it? Before? I have not. No, okay. I just wrote it down. That sounds amazing. I definitely. Yeah, it's just and it is. What's funny is because I talk in my first and I've been talking about this whole thing called content energy and how if we focus on you know being great in a few things then mediocre and and his his. Uh, chart that he has on the first third, like the third page looks exactly like mine and i i didn't even know it existed but it's the whole same thing where you have your personal energy is going 17 different ways and there's all these arrows going out or those one or two arrows going at things that are really important to you that's a huge thing yeah uh especially because we're distracted in all these different areas and we can be better and i think this book will help you be better that's really cool i'm definitely going to check that out so, uh, so my rave um, is uh, is one I talked about on my other little show, um, and but it's just it's really really good, um, and it was very heartening. It was one of those heartening posts. So every year, um, do you you read and 
take a look at the Neiman Lab folks. Oh, yeah. Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, by the way, folks, that's that's a site that for any of you who are into content and content marketing that you should frequent. Um, it's basically all about journalism. Um, and uh, for many, many years, one of the sort of forefront leaders in the thinking around what's going on in journalism. And every year they do, they're 20, uh, 20 or, or certainly the year ahead predictions. And this year... Um, they did their predictions for journalism in 2020, where they bring in a bunch of thinkers uh, in the space of, of journalism and and sort of predict what's going to happen in the in the coming year. And one of those predictions, and of course, we'll link this in the show notes, um, comes from a current uh, journalist, and her name is Alana Levinson, and she talks about what we would call content marketing. And to hear, you know, for for so many. Um, well, years, we'll say, we've we've heard journalists have been rather skeptical about coming over to, you know, that many of them will say, oh, I had to go to the dark side or I had to go to the brand side. And that was really sort of, uh, you know, they looked at it like this is sort of, you know, that, you know, they, they didn't want to go there. Basically, they looked at it as somehow less pure than what they were doing before working for a newspaper or a magazine, et cetera, et cetera. And Alana as she outlines in her prediction, she basically says her the headline of her prediction is brand backed media gets another look and you might as well retitle it content marketing gets another look because that's what she talks about is she if, when she goes back in time and sort of tells her story about 2016 and how much venture there was in publishing and media and how much money and it was all focused on being viral and, and all this stuff and she found a home um, with all of the layoffs, because she speaks to this article, um, which I the number actually astounded me. Um, Three thousand journalists were laid off in 2019, um, and the as she calls it, the lifeboat for her, um, the opportunity for her was to go to a brand-backed media publication, which in her case was Mel Magazine, which of course is the Dollar Shave Club magazine, wonderful lifestyle magazine, by the way, if you haven't seen it, and so. Great content marketing example. And she goes on through and speaks to some of the examples of other companies. Mostly she speaks to the sort of uh, consumer packaged goods uh, industry and, and, and talks about the various kinds of magazines they've launched, some of them successful, some of them not so successful. But basically she ends up by saying, hey, listen, this is a this is going to be something that, you know, really speaks in the future to our ability to you know, find a lifeboat, find a, 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 you know, a safe harbor in a storm for journalists to go and join these brands with their efforts because it doesn't have to be the dark side. It doesn't have to be the, uh, you know, the, the sort of um, place where we sort of retreat to. It can rather be someplace where we can go lead and be. A, and it was just really heartening to me to see a journalist really speak this way and to really talk about it in such a uh, in such a wonderful way. The only thing I would add to Alana's thing, and I would sort of belabor her metaphor a bit because she speaks to it in the idea that maybe it's not a lifeboat. Maybe it's a, you know, a door that is a floating door from the sinking ship, which of course is the reference to Titanic and our friend Leo and Kate who are find themselves on that door and only one of them can fit on the door. And what I would suggest is that content marketing, if you just look a little harder, if you look a little wider and you look a little broader, what you're going to find is, is that that door is not only big enough to fit Leo and Kate, it's big enough to fit the whole damn ship. So, <laughs> you know, you can just 
that's a big door. And so yeah. I think if you're a journalist out there, there's a lot of opportunity. And I would, uh, I would, uh, I would encourage you to go look at it. So that's my rave. Well, what's been nice is, and you and I have been around long enough to, to see this happen. Ten years ago, uh, journalists were looked down on significantly for making that jump. Yeah. And, and now that's not the case anymore. Because there's and, some really good publications out there. That's the real key is, is that some of these brands are putting out really good work. And that's the. Yeah, it's not a it's not a brand shill. I mean, exactly yeah. right. That there there's uh, and as you mentioned, a lot in many cases, and maybe even going to most cases, there's way more resources on the brand side. Yeah, than there I, are look, in the media side a, to do some do some great content. Here yeah. is a bold prediction. Maybe not for 2020, but for the coming five years. So if if we have seen in the last couple of years, Amazon and Netflix. Um, and Apple be nominated for and win Golden Globes and Oscars, I'm going to predict in the next five years we're going to see a brand win a Pulitzer. Oh, I would like to see that. I would. I can't go against that because I. I think that's an interesting. I think that's an interesting idea. Well, and then your point about Starbucks before Starbucks is yeah. rolling out huge media initiatives. All I mean, they could be the one. I mean, there could be many of those that, that yeah. happen. So, yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, Mister. Well, you got the New Year's plans? What's going on here? Yeah, we're hanging out. We've got our our group that uh, we do New Year's Eve Eve every yeah. year. So yeah. uh, we're doing. Uh, we're going to the. Uh, National Comedy Museum this year to go check that out. We've never been there before. Uh, some of our friends have, so we're looking forward to doing that and a, and a couple other shenanigans as well <laughs> that go along with that. So we're looking forward to having some time off. Some some. Are you going out on uh, New Year's Eve? What do you do? You know, the funny thing is, is that uh, we are also doing New Year's Eve Eve um, with uh, with uh, just the quote unquote adults. Yeah, um, exactly. And we are going to a place here in Los Angeles um, that is obscenely expensive. We've we've saved up. We're going to go have this experience. It's called Vespertine. Um, for any of you who want to go Google it, um, it's it's really really expensive, and it's supposed to be this food experience, right? Oh Where you, man, you get moved around, and there's lighting, and it's Michelin rated, and it's a whole thing. Um, unfortunately I've been told you're not allowed to take pictures inside. So you're not allowed to do anything and, um, uh, on that score. So I won't be able to, I don't think I'll be able to share any pictures, but we're looking forward to it as a sort of quote unquote, big food experience, um, to sort of cap off our year. And then we'll be That's quiet awesome. at home for new year's Eve. Yeah. I, but I like the no pictures thing. I like the thing. Keep keep the smartphone in your pocket or whatever. Yeah, I you and, know, I mean, when, but you know, the, I mean, I, there are pictures, by the way, on on you know on the web that you can actually see some of the food, and it's quite astounding, quite frankly, some of the food that you see. Um, you know, and and you go, oh, I, that, I would actually like to take a picture of that, but but we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what it's all about. I'll I'll report next time. We're looking on the forward to the yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. That's great. All right, folks. Well, that is it for this our I guess uh, last show of the year, first show of the year. However, you depending uh, are looking at it. We are signing off. If you like this episode, episode number two hundred and twenty four. 
Get yourself a subscription for the new year if you haven't done so already. A shiny, brand new 2020 version of your subscription. You know, you've got more than one email address. Get yourself a few of these subscribes. Uh, you know, just, you know, there's no reason not to double up. Um, and of course, Review us out on your favorite podcatcher of choice, the store. We need those reviews. Share it out with your friends. There are still people out there who don't know that we're back, which is just weird to me. But yeah, there's a bunch of people out there who don't know that we're back, and it's been nice to hear from them over the holidays. Um, We're publishing twice a month now, and we'll continue to do so in 2020. So if you're enjoying it, keep on listening. Um, And if you want more of Joe, Joe, where do they find you these days? You've got your shiny new website up and running. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go to Joe Polizzi, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I.com, and uh, you can get my uh, every other week newsletter. And of course, uh, my book is available for free right now, my first novel, Thriller. It's called The Will to Die. Just go to thewilltodie.com, and you can listen to it on your favorite podcatcher absolutely free. There you go. And for me, it's contentadvisory.net or tci.inc, tci.inc, or tca, sorry, tca.inc. Um, and uh, you can find all the stuff that we're talking about there with regard to content and technology and all that kind of stuff. And of course, hashtag us up, won't you? Story ideas, story ideas. We want them all. Everything we talked about, of course, will be in the show notes and linked into and all of that stuff. Hashtag us at this old marketing. And of course, remember, folks, of course, remember. It's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you in a couple of weeks on This Old Marketing. Marketing.